Welcome to the Startup of the Year podcast, where each episode we showcase exciting new companies from around the world. This podcast is produced by Established, creators of the Startup of the Year program. Established is focused on helping organizations with their innovation, startup, and communication strategies. Welcome back to the Startup of the Year podcast. I'm Frank Gruber, your co-founder and co-CEO of Established co-founder of Established Ventures, and the team behind the Start of the Year community. And this very podcast, this is episode 113 of the Start of the Year podcast. And I'm going to be talking with Mike Evans. Mike Evans is the co-founder of Grubhub. Uh, he's, uh, if you're not familiar with Grubhub, it's a service that allows you to order food uh, right to your home or wherever you are via the computer or your app. Uh, it's pretty innovative for its time. It came out in like 2007 and uh, there's been a lot of uh, folks that have copied it since. So there's a lot of competition in that in that space. He's also the co-founder now of Fixer, which is a Chicago-based company that's building out the Right Now Handyman service. So I look forward to hearing more from Mike here in a second about his journey and his new book, Hangry, A Startup Journey, which is a memoir about you know co-founding Grubhub and taking it from you know basically idea all the way all the way to IPO. Uh, you can also check out more about Mike Evans at mikeevans.com and grab a copy of the book. All right, let's get started here in a minute. But before we do, I wanted to mention a couple of things here. So we're getting excited because we're starting to really look forward to our second part of the year. We're already halfway through the year. And uh, what that means is there's still opportunities for startups to get involved in our community. We're going to offer a lot of different opportunities online uh, through our community as well as uh, off with, with some upcoming events. Uh, we've also got our summit, which we're lining up too. So those unfamiliar, every uh, year we try to get uh, a bunch of people together and bring our community together for our Start of the Year Summit. We're going to make it, be making some announcements about that soon, so stay tuned, but wanted to kind of queue it up and get it kind of percolating around your mind as we kind of go into the summer months. All right, I wanted to give you a little more information about what I'm going to be doing the rest of the summer there's going to be a couple of, of, of fun things coming up here soon in July. So if you're in the Midwest, you should start tuning in a little bit more because I'm actually going to be jumping on a bus. This isn't the uh, Rise of the Rest bus this time. This is a different bus. And uh, it's the America Seed Fund Road Tour. It's going to be heading through the Midwest. It's going to be hitting up uh, July 17th through 21st. It's going to be heading through Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. It's going to be heading through Wichita, Kansas, Kansas City, Missouri, Lincoln, Nebraska, and Des Moines, Iowa. And so what this means is you're going to be able to have a chance to register for one of your, those cities if you're, you're close by or, or in one of those cities and get a chance to meet some of the different uh, program leads from the America Seed Fund. So that includes folks from the different agencies. So we'll have representatives from agencies like the National Science Foundation, um, USDA, uh, Department of Defense, NOAA, uh, Afric slash Air Force, Space Force, uh, Navy, and a bunch of others. So you can learn more about it if you come over to americaseedfund.us forward slash road dash tour. Uh, it's on the americaseedfund.us website. So if you go on the website and you can't find it, just navigate to the programs and events pay part of it, the website, and you'll see road tour. Uh, it's got the schedule and where to register and everything kind of about what you need to do. Uh, it's coming up fast. It's 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 going to be a lot of fun, and uh, hopefully you learn something from it if you are able to join us. So if you're in the Midwest, please do join us. And if you if you know folks that might benefit from this, because there's you know four billion plus dollars of 
of early stage funding opportunities through America Seed Fund every single year. So this is an opportunity for uh, you to get involved. If you if you know if you know of people that could benefit from this, or if you're looking to maybe try to win one of these awards or um, get in contact with some of these agencies, this could be a great way to do it. So bring bring that uh, bring that up so you can go and register, pre-register right now because there's opportunities for those one-on-ones. You're going to want to get ahead of it because they are in high demand, and you're want to you're going to want to register right away. So again. Hope to see you. I'll be out there on the road for about a week. We're going to do a city a day all across the Midwest in, in uh, mid-July. So it's coming up soon. So look forward to seeing you. And as always, we like to shine a light on a company in our community that is doing interesting things. Uh, that company this week is dun, 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 Atlantic Sea Farms. Are you familiar with Atlantic Sea Farms? Maybe you've seen their their kelp burgers out in the grocery store, or maybe they've got some kelp cubes, or they've got their sea chi, which is like a seaweed salad kind of situation, um, or kimchi, if you will. They also have a seaweed salad. They're all available at like Whole Foods and Sprouts and some of these other um, healthy food stores. Really great stuff, and they're actually making that stuff from sea kelp. So they're a U.S. sea uh, company based out here in Maine, uh, Biddeford, Maine, to be honest with you. And that's one of our co-founders is actually from Biddeford. So this is the most ironic thing. All worlds are colliding here with this, this startup. But uh, they're revolutionizing the U.S. seaweed industry by making uh, their customers and the planet and the coastal economies healthier by creating craveable and innovative products that are also sustainable. They're using regenerative farming of the sea to create to get these greens out. And uh, I'm really excited about the company and the founder and everything they're doing. We're working with them as well on the established venture side of things uh, and obviously excited about uh, that effort as well. So you can learn more about Atlantic Sea Farms over at AtlanticSeaFarms.com. And uh, if you're interested in more information about what we're doing with established ventures with them, please do reach out to me as well. I'm pretty easy to find on the internet, Frank Gruber, uh, at Frank Gruber on, on Twitter or on Instagram, or you can find me on LinkedIn and DM me. Um, got all that stuff open. So anyway, all right, let's jump in and, uh, let's, let's talk to Mike Evans about how he, he took this thing called Grubhub from idea all the way to IPO. Mike, we've talked to, we talked to a lot. We've been on, you've been on the start of the year podcast before. So welcome back. Thanks for having me. Yeah. And we, we've known each other for a while. Yes, we. Uh, you mentioned the story during the pitch. I'll, I'll, I'll okay, share for it. from my, yeah, go for it. Yeah, yeah I love side. your perspective. You're like totally false. No, really yeah. True. So, <laughs> uh, so I, I started Grow Up back in 2002. Was yep. bootstrapping it for a few years, and then right around the 2000, we, uh, my business partner and I uh, entered the University of Chicago's business plan competition. Right, right. We won that. We were having a hell of a time raising financing. Yeah. And actually, we got all to the point where we we're making uh, just under a million bucks a year in revenue. We're profitable, mm-hmm. and. Um, and then we closed financing like like concurrent with that first tech cocktail yep, event. And yep. I remember running into mm-hmm. Steve and Bruce. Yep. Um, from uh, Origin Ventures. From right? Origin Ventures, who was the first investor at that event. And like they had invested the day before. Yep. And they were like, well, now that you're invested, and now that we're invested, I guess you guys have all the power. Like they said something to the effect of like, now that the money's in the bank, I guess it's all with you guys. And I'm like, oh yeah, we're spending it all on cocaine. <laughs> And like there was jokingly, a very joking, 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 yeah. It, well, he didn't know that, <laughs> so it was a very awkward pause. Yeah, yeah. And that was at Tech Cocktail. Oh, and I was wow. like, no, 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 we're gonna go create a big Cocaine business tonight. No, 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 yeah, no, yeah. no, 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 don't do that. Um, no one do that. That's really but it bad. wasn't. It was actually an interesting moment because the yeah. there's so much power in an investor's hands. Oh, absolutely. Up until the moment they transfer the funds. Yeah. And then 
Had they transferred the funds yet? Yeah, they had. Oh, and, and then I hadn't realized this as a founder that once the money's in the bank, the power really shifts to your hands. Right. Now uh, it's your now it's your responsibility to it's make your, sure. It's your responsibility too. Yeah. But um, I was I was surprised at the switch and the power dynamic that happens yeah. as soon as the funding had occurred. That's and, it, and it happened at, at the party that Tech you Octo threw yes. in Chicago. That's amazing. That was a crazy event, by the way. I, we don't want to go too much into it, but there were a lot of people, and I believe I believe a limousine got stolen or something. It was a lot going on. Ron May. Yeah, Ron May was there. There's a lot <laughs> back in the old Chicago days. Um, so anyway, let's keep keep rolling. So, you um you wrote this book. Uh, well, so first off, you you kept that going with 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 Grubhub. Obviously, got more funding, grew the business, grew it all the way, went all the way. I mean, you went all the way. Yeah. So we had nine. So we raised five rounds of venture about. Um, about 85 million in venture. And 85 then, million in venture, guys. That's um, pretty crazy. And then we had an IPO. We raised another 100 million in the IPO, and it was a two and a half billion dollar market cap. Wow. Um, after merging with Seamless, and so, um, and then uh, 28 days later, I I punted it all and uh, rode a bike from uh, Virginia to Oregon. Wow. I, so I you, left the company. You left Grubhub, the baby that you rode launched. a bicycle. Yeah. Wow. So what was that like? What was the feeling you got when you're like, oh man, I just uh, I got to let my baby go, and I got to I got to go. You know, one of the things that's true about startups is that as soon as you take on an employee you give equity to, or as soon as you take on an investor, it's not 100% yours anymore. Right. And so the entire exercise from start to exit, mm -hmm. um, even in a very successful company, is one of letting go. Yeah. One of, of, of letting go mm -hmm. the, the firm grasp on that company. And yeah. so by the time it got to the IPO, it was fine. I was, I was ready to move on. You were on. done, yeah. Uh, Mostly. Mostly. Like still today, yeah. I. Well, it's part I, of your heart. It's, it's, yeah. It's, 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 you built Still that. today, when I see like the strategies that Grubhub's employing. I mean, you and Matt, but you you started yeah, it. Yeah, I started Matt, and Matt joined me pretty quickly after yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Um, even today, like when I see the strategies Grubhub's employing versus um, DoorDash or Uber Eats, uh, and I'm just like, Why are they doing that? No, like no, <laughs> like there's a better way. Uh, wait, like, this is yeah. not my place anymore. It's not, it's yeah. not my job anymore. Yeah, I haven't yeah. worked there for eight years, but right. I still have opinions, strong right. ones. I'm sure. Yeah, that's good. That's good. It means you still care, which is yeah. important. And so I wrote a book about the the journey, the experience right. from start to finish. It's called Hangry. Hangry. Uh, and it's not like a it's not like a startup how to. It's like a what is it like? What does yeah. it feel like to go from just like bootstrapping in your apartment mm -hmm. all the way up through like this huge exit? Yeah, and that book is great. I loved it. It was Thank very you. it was very um, real. Like you can really hear um, the voice and what you were thinking and and. How did you? I'm curious. How did you just transcribe it, or did you write it all out? Because it I feels like your thing. voice. I know, but yeah. did you like put it? In, did you do an audio first? Because it, yeah, it feels like you're, the way you talk, which is cool. Because I feel like it's more approachable. That's. I mean, that's my style of writing. I, I between leaving Grubhub and starting Fixer, I tried to start a science fiction career, mm. and I wrote two manuscripts, neither wow. of which I could get picked up by publishers. There's but still that, time. Don't give up. Oh, I'm not done. I'm okay. not done. Yeah, yeah. yeah, but it's. Um, but that's what how I hone my writing yeah, writing craft, uh, and Lots so that's it comes out. It's conversational in the book. I love it. All right, and um, so you basically you wrote this book, you put it out. It's got some interesting parts and some interesting kind of like uh, what would you say? Like I don't want to say negative light, but you, you kind of you got it fed up. It's uh, it is not a sugar coated like. Yeah, retelling of the Startups startup are great. experience. We got to do no, this. It was Everyone not that. No, it's yeah. tough. I mean, there were things yeah. about it that were great. It was life changing. Yeah, it enabled me to have a platform to 
um, be able to create my next business and to talk about the importance of using startups as a lever for positive social change, mm -hmm. which is which is much where more where my current business right. and where my current efforts are. So you're, that but startup changed your life. It was like ups and downs. I mean, the startup Grubhub, Grubhub, it changed your perspective on life. I mean. One would think, right? <laughs> Did you're, it? You run, a, you run a business for 12 years. You get to the point where you have 4,500 employees. Yeah. You go through an IPO. Wow. If you didn't change, you're not paying attention. <laughs> so, yes, it changed my perspective good. on life. Good, good, good. Yeah. I'm glad that happened. Because um, then you started Fixer. Let's talk about Fixer and what they're doing. What so, doing Fixer, Fixer was, up until about five months ago, was an on-demand handy person service. Mm -hmm. uh, it is still that, but it's, it's not primarily oh. that anymore. Whoa, whoa, so, we, we've pivoted. Oh, I didn't realize And this. so... Um, and so it started out, a lot of what I'm about to say is still true, but we've pivoted our focus. So uh, it's an on-demand handy person service. We train people from scratch. So we find people in jobs that are not economically progressing. Yeah. Cashier at Whole Foods, stocker at Target. Wow. And we create a path to enter the trades in a gender-inclusive way. Interesting. And so we go into people's homes and we do, you know, we hang things on walls and we paint stuff and we fix toilets and we do all of that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. But the economic, it, because there's such a shortage of trades workers, Tons. we Less. charge, and because it's such a good experience, you order through an app and all that, we charge a premium. And so the economic mobility that we create is, is rapid. Mm -hmm. And so people go from making, you know, $30,000, $35,000 a year in sort of a dead-end job to making seventy to $80,000 a year as a handy person wow. or going into specialized trades so pretty quickly. you're literally doubling their salaries and giving them skills to help build yeah, their and then Yeah, and then we can't, as they get more skilled, we can't keep up with their pay. So then they go on to become specialists and electricians or plumbers wow. and at another company. They'll, they'll move on oh, once wow. we sort of open so the door. So you've seen that kind of churn? Yes, and we love it because okay. then that allows us to bring new people in and create economic mobility for them. You're literally training the, like, the workforce. You're yeah, I mean, you know, you're supposed to have a big, hairy, audacious goal yeah, as a yeah. startup. Mm -hmm. uh, Ours is to reboot the trade trade education in the United States. Wow. And we're going to do it. Like, we're going to get to the point where we have 40,000 full-time employees with benefits. 10,000 of them are going on to, wow. like, thank you. You know, 10,000 of them are going on to be, do specialist trades, and then 10,000 new people come in the door, and we train them from scratch. The pivot that we went through is we realized that um, customers love it so much mm -hmm that people were starting to use us regularly. And oh. so we actually turned it into a home maintenance program That's amazing, yeah. where like we just come every month for two to four hours and we do all the things you don't want to do to keep your house running. And that's everything from like recocking the tub Smart. to changing light bulbs to changing filters, like all the stuff you just don't want to do. Yeah, I want that. Can I get it in Maine? Uh, not tomorrow. <laughs> we'll get there eventually. Okay. It takes Maybe time. Just, can I put a good word like, in for someone? Because do you know like anybody Portland, that can help? or are we Port talking like Bangor? Portland. Portland. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, at yeah, least we, twenty to thirty miles away. From not. Earth. Not that I hate. Uh, it's just it's, you got to go to the biggest markets first. Yeah. Yeah. No. Totally. But what's crazy about this is like it's an impact-based startup, yeah. and we're creating economic mobility for people. But our average customer revenue is three thousand dollars a year. Like that's what homeowners typically pay, and that's. It's not like that's our minimum cost. That's what I'm saying. I would pay you that. Yeah. So you should launch. That'd be at least 3000 By the way, <laughs> anything related to housing or the trades or people's homes, yeah. like the addressable market is humongous. Is ginormous. Right. It's so much bigger. I'm not going to um, kid you. I've been using one similar, not similar service, but service that offers the similar kind of services, I guess you could say. Not exactly what you're doing, but like yeah. you know, cleaners and like repair people or whatever. Not going to name any names. But let's just say that like I had like two or three things booked and they just I've, I've literally had them ready, changed my schedule around, and guess what happens? They don't show. What? They don't show up. What? Like three times in a row. Yeah, we. I mean, that's I mean, part that, of why we charge a premium is I'm, because I'm just, and, no, I bought their premium and it's shit. Oh yeah, that's. <laughs> I mean, it's horrible. Well, part of the answer to that is that um, 
you can if you pay people full time, you yeah. have you have to make sure that they stay working. So right. if they're idle, yeah. they're costing money, mm-hmm. which means but to serve customers by their schedule, you have to embed idle time into the product. Right. And so you have to be willing to not eke the last dollar out from a profit margin perspective right. so that you keep customers over the long term, which yeah. is a generally applicable rule for running yeah. businesses. Right. Right. Well, because at this point, I just lost all faith in that group. That I'm yeah. like, there's no way. Like, I'm not, they're not going to show up. So why should I do this anymore? It's a waste of my time. Yeah. Right. So, um, not, so I'm guessing just validating there's a huge opportunity. Yeah. You have to you yeah. have to create a good product. You yeah, have to yeah. show up on time. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. All right, so, so you launched, you changed, you pivoted. You've, you've, you're in, you were started in Chicago. I noticed you're in a bunch of places now. Yeah, Chicago, Dallas, Phoenix, Seattle, uh, and we just launched LA. I missed a market in there. Chicago, Phoenix, Dallas, Seattle, Denver, Denver, and LA. Denver, yeah, Denver and LA. LA. Yeah. All right. We just launched LA. Interestingly, um, thinking, st- talking about still doing crazy things as a startup founder that you would just never do to scale, but yeah. that you have to do early in a business. Yeah. Um, you roll up your sleeves. So we, we had to get a license in California. Oh, wow. And to get a license, somebody has to pass the trade exam. You? It's seven hours long. You I passed it? I just flew back from San Diego. Oh, my gosh. Where I, so I'm a license. I, I personally right. am a licensed contractor. I'm calling you. I know your phone number, you know. In California. I'm flying you out every month. But you have to do shit like that uh, when wait, you start you a startup. If I, if I flew you out every month, would you count? No, I'm kidding. You probably not. Yeah. Uh, no, I know how to fix stuff now. Okay, I, good. Mo- a lot more than I did before I started this business. You know, I had um, I totally. I that you're still like that is, in the weeds. Like, that's crazy. You have to be in the weeds. Yeah. I, I talked to the CEO. I was talking with the CEO of, like, a hospital chain. Yeah. And he was like, yeah, I did. I got an MBA and I learned how to run businesses and now I'm running this. But it, it could be this or it could be a manufacturing plant or it could be mm-hmm. a telecom company. It doesn't really matter. It's just widgets. You're just selling widgets. What? And I'm like, what? it fucking matters. <laughs> like, you have to be good at the thing that you do. Yeah. Like, you have to know your business. Yeah. And he's in healthcare, And I was like, oh people are dying yeah. because you don't think it matters right. about, like, a, a patient care matters or patient outcomes or right. clinical work. Wow. Like you have to know your business. That's so I, at one point I knew a lot about pizzas. I and bet. Now I know a lot about drywall. Yeah. That's really interesting. Um, so you, <laughs> and I know you talk about pizza in the book, so I don't want to spoil it. So anybody I do. That, and everything bagels and everything bagels. The book will make you hungry. It does make me hungry. And if you haven't ha- eaten yet, hangry. So the book is actually hangry. If you have a chance, we're not done yet, but go check it out. Uh, if you want to download the book or get the book online or. It's also, know. the book is also available in and the, the uh, bookstore yeah. at the uh, at the convention center, yeah, so which is the, on the third floor. Yeah, so go to the third floor of the convention center. You can get it though now on your phone. If you go to est.us forward slash hangry, H-A-N-G-R-Y. Did I spell, nice. it, spell it right? Yeah. yeah. Good at spelling. I mean, you just made the short link. So I did, yeah. yeah hopefully, yeah, the short yeah, link yeah, spelled yeah, yeah. right. So go, yeah, so go to there, and it'll take you to Amazon. And it works out. You can grab the book right yeah. now. Hangry. Um, hangry. Um, you can't sign that digital copy, though, so I want to work that out. Where, are you doing any other signings? I know you had one earlier. Yeah, I do signings. I pr- pretty much do them once a month in whatever city I'm in as I'm oh, doing nice. the different work. So I've, I've yeah. got a few coming up in Chicago. Um, and yeah. then, um, yeah, I, th- throughout the year, I do them. Okay. How has this climate this last couple of days impacted you all? The, with the SVB news and all everything. Oh, happening. I was like, you know, it's nice not to be in Chicago no, where it's, it's cold degrees. and no, it's yeah. nice and warm. The yeah, climate's great. Oh, that's weather, not climate. Kind of climate. Okay, all right. Yeah. Um, S- the SVB, the SVB things ha- has impacted us. We banked yeah. there. Um, yeah. We also Citibank. I remember you being a Citibank guy. Yeah, we did the, <laughs> we did the IPO with Citibank, um, but we um, we had a that was just our operating account our primary oh. account is elsewhere so we are we have some exposure yeah um but people are still going to get paid on payday and so like that's the most important right. part like are, are is everybody getting paid right uh i 
I tend to be an optimistic person. Yeah. I have faith that, um, like, let's keep in mind, no news has come out since 5 p.m. on Friday. Nothing's happening. Like, people yeah. are, yeah. people, it's a weekend. Like, mm. like all the startup folks are freaking out. Yeah. I think a lot's going to come out tomorrow to, to uh, remedy it, to, to, like, restore confidence. Okay. I just don't, I can't imagine a scenario where um, the U.S. banking system is allowed to, is allowed to have people be nervous, which because that just creates the propensity for more bank runs. Right. And so something has to happen in the next mm -hmm. couple of days. Right. And for those listening uh, online with our podcast, may, you may be hearing this later, so you'll know before we do uh, what what the outcome is. So <laughs> yeah, somebody's gonna be listening to this and be like, yeah, he was right, or they'll be like, oh, sweet summer child, you had no idea what was coming. Right. Exactly. I mean, yeah. when the pandemic started, I was like, you yeah. know, we lost at Fixer, we lost eighty-five percent of our revenue wow. from week two to week three of March, twenty twenty. Because we go into people's homes and yeah, we do you work. Can't do that. Yeah, and yeah, nobody wanted us to come in their homes. Right, right. And I was like, it's fine. It'll be over in like a month or two. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. That's not true. No. It was not true. No. Um, but so, that's part of being in a startup is that like there's always headwinds. There's always emergencies. At some point, mm -hmm. it's not that I don't care. It's that I, I try to take them in stride. And I wait till the actual information comes out before I react. Worry. Yeah, so don't so worry. So yeah. as of Friday, like... Yeah, we had 400k in SVB. 250 of it's going to be fine. So I have 150k at risk. Yeah, which is not a small amount of money. No, no. It's unlikely I'm getting zero dollars that back. Okay. It's probably unlikely I'm getting 150k of that right, back too. Right. But, you know, like running a startup is hard enough with the things that you know are going wrong without borrowing on tomorrow's trouble. Like, right. I'll find out this week what's happening with the rest of right. it, and I'm not going to react to the potential bad news. I'll wait till the actual bad news comes out. So that, that's some great advice is just keep an even keel and just keep rolling. I mean, that's what you're saying. Keep it. Keep that's it. what I'm saying. Oh, now, if you saw me on Friday <laughs> afternoon, you'd be like, bullshit. You were freaking out. Yeah, yeah. And I was. But yeah. um, I've so had a couple days in Austin. I'm yeah. like, it's fine. And so yeah. I have to tell myself this just as much as I'm saying it to other people is right. that keeping an even keel, saying that, recognizing that I'm anxious about it and saying that I'm going to keep an even keel both different. decreases the anxiety and allows me to um, yeah. to function. Positive reframing um, yeah. is a little bit to that too. But you mentioned the pandemic and, and weathering storms. I mean, basically, we don't know what the storm is going to be, and some of the listening might know by then. But like, you know, what advice would you give anybody? You kind of just said it with like keeping an even keel. But is there anything else you did to buckle down when you lost eighty five percent of your revenue? Like, what are the things you had to do to like? Yeah, get we pivoted that? twice. So we created a. <laughs> Uh, yeah. We created a, a, a video consult product so we could show people how to fix things in their home. Oh, interesting. Tremendous press success. We, yeah. I was on TV, 45 different states, national TV. Wow. Uh, I think like 12 people paid for the product. Oh, wow. It was like a commercial disaster. Oh, so wow. we pivoted away from that pretty quickly. Yeah. Uh, and then the other thing we did is we acted as a general contractor and took a few oh, large wow. contracts and did actually build um, stuff out? at break even oh, wow. just keep just busy. so just to keep our labor busy so that um, we oh. wouldn't have to furlough anybody. Wow. And so we took a, a small loss on those things, yeah. but we kept our core of trained individuals. Mm -hmm. um, and you can imagine what that does for loyalty. Like people, people have been, um, we weathered the storm for them, and so people have, have been, you know, yeah. in February when we have a dip in orders or something right. like that because of weather, people stick it out. So basically, um, you know, through this weird hiccup we're in right now, I'm assuming there's a little bit more loyalty through if there's like, let's say you can't pay your payroll on Friday, which I'm not saying you can. You oh, no, you got to pay payroll. No, I'm, I'm just saying. Yeah, like, but you can't fuck with it. No, like, you can't. Okay. So you you have, have to do whatever it takes whatever to make it takes. payroll. Okay. Like that's, um, you know, you, 
there's there's the moral reasons for it, and then there's even just the um, the legal reasons for it. You right. know, if your yeah. if your company runs out of business and like it goes out of business and you shut things down, mm-hmm. uh, one of the liabilities that the board is still responsible for is any un, unpaid Paid. payroll yeah. liabilities. Like right. the board members will have to pay the payroll right. if the company can't. They're not going to want to do that. So you you always pay payroll yeah. no matter what. First thing. Yeah. It's great advice for any startup that is going through this too. Like they may not know. Like what to do if they all yeah, of a sudden, you, like next you, week they're like shoot you're late like one day once on payroll and it does drastic sure. things to trust and culture and yeah. uh, you just can't do it. All right, we're almost we're actually at time, but I want to keep talking real quick about culture because I know your your culture um, has been was a focus for for uh, what you were doing before. Yeah, I talk about that in the book a little right. bit too about yeah. the importance of growing. Yeah, so maybe t- quickly like as you're growing your company, what are the things you focus on when you're early stage, a little bit middle middle stage, and then scaling. And then we can wrap. Yeah, I mean, the, the big thing, especially in, in the intersection of tr- the trades, which are very gender exclusive, and mm-hmm. tech, which is gender exclusive, is gender in- inclusivity. Mm-hmm. And so that's been one of the primary drivers at Fixer. The name Fixer is non-gendered on purpose. Yeah. And we talk about handy people on purpose. And when we, when we advertise the job, we don't go to places where traditionally construction companies advertise. We advertise in places where there's representation Um, from both a gender and intersectionally from a race perspective. And so that's been developing a culture of respect Mm -hmm. where people feel, regardless of how they identify, feel welcome has been, um, that's not the default in the trades and it's not the default (laughs) in tech. And so it's taken some intentionality to make that a place, to to try and approach that. We still have work to do for sure. Um, But that's probably been the, the primary thing at this business. Okay. And then as you scaled and you were actually got to the point where you're like IPO and all that how is culture then versus it like right now is with fixer like is it the same or how did how did you change culturally I guess along the journey Uh, through through which part Grubhub or how did I change personally no the company as it I mean at at fix at Grubhub you know there's a big difference between setting up culture in a 20 person company and a 150 person company and a 5,000 person company right and by the time you pass two or three hundred people it's whatever momentum you built leading up to that point because it's very hard to turn the ship after that point. There are companies that have done it, Patagonia, but it's mostly by attracting like-minded people more than it is changing the actual messaging um, yep. at the company. And then yep. at Fixer, we're still small enough. We're, we're just about at 100 people. And mm-hmm. so oh, wow. um, we still have some ability to like steer things. Mm-hmm. But we've said so much about respect and inclusion mm-hmm. that, that, that that's just what everybody in the company believes. And so that has its own momentum at this yeah. point. That makes sense. I appreciate you being here, Mike. I always enjoy catching up with Mike Evans. Uh, You know, we go way back with our time in Chicago, and uh, his stories are always interesting to me. I always learn something new as well. So excited that that he was able to join us and and catch up. Uh, That's my dog. He's he's like a cat. He's uh, he he has hairballs. I don't I don't know. I don't know what to do with them. But probably heard him there in a second ago hacking. But uh, he's an interesting cat or dog. Anyway, moving along here. Everyone always uh, likes to talk about the good times, but I love the way that Mike really also focuses on the the hard times and, you know, the ups and downs. And if you read my book, Start of Mixology, you would know that you know, there's always, you know, those ups and downs. And we really like to focus on the ups, but we should focus on the downs as well. And that way you can get through them through with celebration and whatnot. So, obviously, uh, a great conversation. And if you liked it as much as I did, please do share it with our uh, with your community or friends or family, and hopefully they find some useful information in there as well to continue on their journey. 
All right. Well, we're, like I said earlier, halfway through the year and we're having a great, great year and looking forward to the second part. Uh, I hope everyone is having, uh, you know, a great, uh, season as well. Summer's, summer's here and, uh, we're actually wrapping up this episode. So until next time, looking forward to, to sharing some more insights on the next episode, but, uh, thanks so much for listening. And, uh, if you have a startup idea, as you know, you should get out there and start it up, get it going. Today is the best day to start up. Not tomorrow, not the next day. Well, if it's a holiday, maybe take that day off. But if it's not a holiday, get it going, get it started and, uh, and get, get it out there because it's going to take some iterations and, and time, uh, to, to turn it into a, a bigger, a bigger thing. And so, you know, you, you can always come to us for encouragement and join our community, um, for access to support and expert advice and resources and, uh, you know, we'll try to help you elevate your startup by simply going to startupofyear.com. You can learn more and apply, be part of the community. Uh, if you want the short link, it's SOTY.link forward slash apply. Until next time, I'm Frank Gruber. Don't forget to hug your loved ones. Go out there and make some memories this summer. And uh, good luck starting up. Have a great day. Thanks for listening to the Startup of the Year podcast. Be sure to subscribe and we'll be back with another episode soon.